Hello, this is the Live Big Broadcast. Today we will hear a classic message from Bishop Greer. We believe this word will bless you, so let's get into this classic teaching as we continue our previous broadcast. In the Midwest, there was a judge in a small county, and he had a son. His son was a little bit wayward, and uh, the boy was caught speeding, and the boy was brought before the father's court. And since it was a small town, you know, this was news. What is the judge going to do? Is the judge going to be just? Is the judge going to be partial? Is he going to be fair? Is he going to show nepotism? Is he going to favor this youngster just because he's his son? Let's see the measure of this judge. So a little town fills the room. And the son is standing before the father and he's in his black robe. The case is presented against the son. But the father is a just judge. So he hears the accusations. And then he hammers the gavel and says, guilty. And everyone in the town says, yes, you know, we have a just judge. We have a righteous judge. We have a good judge. But it doesn't stop there. Then the judge stands up. He takes off his robe. And then he walks to that window where fines are paid. He reaches into his own pocket and he pays the penalty for the boy's debt. You see, on Calvary's cross, God is just. He will not overlook sin. It's evil. He hates it. It's a just God. He has to deal with it. But on Calvary, it was God the Father reaching into his own person, reaching deep down into who he was. And pulling out himself and saying, I will pay it, even if it costs my own son's life. Kill me, but don't touch my boys. This was the greatest sacrifice any father could make. On Calvary's cross, justice was satisfied completely. But love and grace was released absolutely. In that, those rusty nails in that splintered wood, the most profound, sophisticated statement of eternity was spoken. Angels long to look into these things. Demons, they say God's just, you know, and they still kind of pointed fingers at his justice. But they couldn't even fathom a love that would go that far. The problem was not that it did that 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 it, it wasn't that it didn't add up. It was just that no one believed God would go that far. The cross adds up, but do you believe God would go that far? How great is the love that God has lavished? You ever been in a lavished environment? Again, it almost seems excessive. God loves me excessive. How great. See, this is why I get caught up. 
I can't even preach. How great is the love that God's lavished on me while I was a sinner, while I was wayward, while I was a peasant, while I was a hater and hating and being hated. God looked at me and said, live. And he didn't do that sending an angel that he didn't really care about. His own son. How dare I doubt God's love? How dare I question? At the cross, I bow my knee. That's our cross. The justice of God and the love of God. They meet. And in this meeting, my salvation is wrong. And God planned for this meeting from eternity. It was hidden in God. No one could fathom. But suddenly, in the last days, it was a bursting forth. The sun became flesh. We get to marvel what God accomplished on the cross. The God who is holy, the God who lives in absolute, unimprovable perfection, humbled himself to become a human being. And if that wasn't enough, then he debased himself even more to die. Adam died when he sinned. Adam loved humanity so much. He loved you so much. He didn't just say, I'll become a man. I'm going to die. And then when I die, I'm going to die the most ignoble, the most cursed, the most shameful death known to man. Let's go to Philippians 2, 5, and 8. Then we have one more passage, and we'll begin to wrap up for the day. At the cross, I bend my knee. Hallelujah. Where his blood was shed for me. Many people in the Philippian church had attitude problems, like a lot of folk at the church today. Church, there can be no unity without humility. Whenever you find a whole bunch of discord, constant division, anger, upset, You know pride is there. If people are turning the other cheek, if people are forgiving as Christ forgave them, there'll be a constant resolution of problems. But where you have schism and no fixing of the issues at hand, you know pride is involved. So Paul doesn't use himself as the example here. By the Holy Spirit, he has to deal with the haughty attitude in the congregation. And he uses the example of Christ. Are you still with me? He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Let this mind that was in Christ be in you. Who? You see, you know, loosely when I talk about the cross, I'm really not talking about the cross. I'm talking about Jesus on the cross. It's just a short way to say what Jesus accomplished. But you know what? A lot of men died on crosses. There were two to the right and left of Jesus. It's not the cross that saves. It's the who that was on the cross that saved. It's the Pascal Lamb. Are you hearing me? The Lamb of God. What he wanted the Philippians to understand who it was on Calvary's cross. He said, who? Get a revelation of who it was that became a man. Who being in very nature God. Jesus did not become less than God to become human. He simply added humanity to his existing deity. It was an enlargement, never a subtraction from the divine. It says this who, who's magnificent, he's that king that the peasant came toward. 
who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God. Imagine if you woke up this morning equal with God. Imagine the air you might want to put on. Jesus, who is equal with God, did not consider it something to be used for his own advantage. He never leveraged his title. He never leveraged his position. You see, if I was Jesus, smoke would have went into every room before I went into it. Oh, yeah. Here it come. That's the way it be. Y'all the same. And then when I came, I wouldn't just walk out. I'd fly away. Oh, yeah. You're the same way. That's why God can't give us some of that power. He didn't use, you, you got to understand, every footstep Jesus took was an expression of humility. He could have flew to the next town, but he said he walked. Another place, it said he got hungry. In a moment, he could have angels food. He could have, matter of fact, he could just be glorified where he's never hungry again. But every step, he did, every time he, he, he took a, a tore piece of bread, put it to his lips. It's an expression of his ultimate humility. For 30 years, he banged on wood. Here you got a guy that created the Grand Canyon, the Great Rockies. You hear what I'm saying? Banging on a piece of wood. Talking about, Daddy, you got a nail. But he stayed in that shop. Worked until Daddy, you know, Joseph said, it's time to go home. Went to church every Sunday when he was better than the preacher. Come on. Every move he made was an act of humility. So he said, listen, church, I know y'all get a little high-minded. Let this mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you. Rather than taking advantage based on his position, rather he made himself nothing. Imagine looking like a zero when you know you have everything. Imagine. See the humility of our master. You see, God's the only person in creation that could be worshipped without getting a big head. You, you got to understand. That's why he's the only one safe to worship. Because, you see, we see God as this titular high being that looks down to the low. You missed it. He who is high, look low. Became a man. And then he died the most ignoble death possible. God is humility at his core. In all of his justice, all of his love, all of his holiness, all of his perfection, he is humble. Jesus said, I am meek and lowly of heart. Come unto me. When we understand his humility, we'll become less terrified. You hear me? Rather, he made himself nothing. Do you, can you do that in a conversation? You know in your argument with your husband or, your, or, or your, your wife. And you can make that next point and win the argument. You have, you have the ability to win, but you know it's going to hurt the relationship. So, so you, you, you just kind of step down. And instead of winning, it looks like that person won. Jesus became a zero. He looked like he was just an ordinary man. He could win the argument by, 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 by calling, you know, fire from heaven. But, but no. 
He said, those who see me are going to just have to have eyes that see. Because I'm, you see, with Jesus, if I would have rose from the dead, shoot, I would have showed up in all the streets, say, see what y'all did, see what y'all did to me. See, look at these hands, look at these, I'm God. That's what I would have did. Jesus doesn't defend his own name. Only people who knew who he is are people who get it by revelation. Do you see the humility of the master? Makes me repent. Makes me want to put ashes on my head. Makes me want to cry. Him being all that. Becoming a man. And sometimes me having a problem. Doing just the minor things he asked me to do. Maybe turn a cheek. Maybe not. Return cursing for cursing. And insult for insult. Just little small things. We, ah, you know, you can't do, ah, I'm not going to let you. You know where I'm from. <laughs> and Jesus like, well, do you know where I'm from? <laughs> you know? Being... By taking the very nature of a servant, rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, human being, being made in human, what? Likeness. For 30 years, he's had, he made his, his power stand down. No miracles. So, I mean, what's the problem with you bending down to help somebody? You hear me? And being found in a Appearance as man. He accepted his appearance as a man. He looked like the average Joe. He looked like a, he looked like a man. And he didn't have to leave a room proving something. They said, you just a man. And he didn't, he didn't go into a fit. None of that. Being found in appearance as a man, he said, and he, and he was so humble. He said, you're not going to get it unless you get it from the Father. And I'm okay with that. Many of us, we got to fight for ourselves and, and make sure people recognize you need to recognize. You hear me? Recognize. No. <laughs> no, few people recognize Jesus. There was only 120 people in that, in that upper room. After preaching a thousand, no one's recognized. But he was okay. Still went to the cross. Still humbled himself, became a man. And didn't start doing what we would do if we had such divine power to make a point. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to what? Yeah. Did you see that? Here he is, God, and he uses terms like obedient to describe what he did. Listen, if I'm God, I ain't obeying nobody. Come on, just, just make a few of you parents, and you're a lord of yourself. Just give a couple of us a few promotions. No obedience. We got the big head. But here we have God, obedient to the Father. So what's your issue when it says, you know, Submit. Obey. Who do you think you is? Who do you think you are? That's such a big deal. Oh, they want my God want me to submit to my husband. What? Submission don't make you less than. Jesus wasn't less than God because he submitted to the Father. He's our example. Okay. He humbled himself by becoming obedient. He said, Lord, I don't want to do this, Daddy. I don't want to do this, Father. I don't want to be separated from you, but not my will. See, sometimes it's not about you. 
And if this is the example of God, how much more should we be willing to drink from whatever cup God has asked us to drink from? Not only did he die, he says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the what? If you really know Jesus, what is it that you're too high and mighty to do? We applaud ourselves for, you know, I, you know, I gave a tithe. What? Oh, I stayed a little late at the church. God, you know. God's like, are you kidding? Are you kidding? God became a man. Suffered rejection and was crucified. And you talking about staying late? (laughs) You see, Paul had to deal with the Philippians, deal with a mindset that we find prevalent even today. Isaiah 53 and 5, one more verse, then after that we're through. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. Sin had to be punished, but God also wanted peace to come. So both his justice and his love were totally expressed, completely expressed. Please understand, it wasn't almost justice. It was absolute, God is perfect. His justice was totally satisfied at the cross. But so was his love. God dug deep in the serving of justice, and the serving of love. I want to say something, and then we'll begin to wrap up. You've heard the statement, and I say it a lot. God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. How many of you have ever heard that before? And that's exactly right. See, what's amazing about God is in spite of our sin, he loved us. But, but that truth also applies to our peace. The punishment that brought us peace was what? On him. I used to think, and sometimes I, I go back there and I don't mean to, but Lord, if, if I get everything right, then me and you are at peace. If all my bills are paid, if, if all my I's are, are dotted, all my T's are crossed, you know, if, if my grades are just where they ought to be, if I prayed long enough in time, maybe if, if I read the Bible uh, enough chapters, then, then, you know, God, you, you're gonna, there's going to be peace between you and I. But do you know... How ridiculous that is. I could never do enough to make peace after my sins with the holy God. Scripture says that he was punished for our peace. You see, the reason I can have boldness and confidence in the presence of God is not based on all the right things I did, but by me understanding that Jesus totally satisfied God's justice. And because he was punished, I have peace with God. Now listen, God may not be at peace with the sin in my life, but he's at peace with me. The reason people run from God when they sin, because they think because of their sin, God's not at peace with them anymore. But the blood of Jesus was shed such that we could have a covenant of peace. No matter what I do or don't do, God is at peace with me. Again, he may not be at peace with the sin in my life. He might be at war with that sin in my life. Trying to deal with, with that sin. Just like, you know, we, we, we go and we, we get radiation therapy. You know, the doctor, he's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to get rid of the cancer. 
So God will still, even though we have a covenant of peace, he'll still discipline us and he'll still deal with things in our lives. But, but please understand, he doesn't hate me. He's not rejected me. There's nothing I could do to cause him to reject me. I have a covenant of peace, not based on my doing, but based on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? The punishment that brought us peace was on him. Now, this week, I kind of lost my peace a little bit. I, I, um, the Lord's been telling me, son, don't come down from the wall. and Stay up there and do your work. And I accidentally kind of slipped down from the wall. And um, I, I have found that I, but I used to think when I lost my peace that God must be mad at me. But actually, just like pain in the body is an indication something's wrong, it's not God kicking you. It's built in you to let you know, hey, there's something needs to be tended to. And I, I lost my peace. And you see, what happens in the human heart is your spirit's right with God, but sometimes your brain goes wrong. I mean, your mind, you're thinking, I need to do X, Y, and Z. Your heart's saying you need to do S and P. And sometimes you get across, and the way your, your spirit communicates to you and the Holy Spirit's inside your spirit is by taking your peace. It's that, I'm not at peace with that. I'm not enjoying that. That's not right. It's going to hurt you. So when I lose personal peace, I would at times think, God, you must be angry with me. No. And then I'd have to do a whole bunch of stuff to get that peace back. Okay, God, what? I got to worship seven songs. Okay, here we go. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. You know, and then I do my 20 push-ups by reading six chapters. You hear what I'm saying? Lord, is, there, is it right yet? Uh, and and, and I, I, wouldn't, I didn't understand. And many of us are living that way. Trying to do all these things to get peace with God. But the scripture I was about to read from Ephesians, it says this. 2.14. It says, for he himself is our peace. Did you catch that? Not from what you do. From what he did. This is the great exchange. He took my punishment. I take his peace. He and the father. We're one from eternity to the place of the cross where Jesus said, Thou, you know, oh my God, my God, why is that forsaken me? Now I have that peace that there's going to be no cross event that would ever stop it. Jesus was separated, so I don't ever have to be separated. Now, when I lose my peace, maybe I do something wrong. I'm like, you know what? Father, I don't deserve it. You know what? I should have thought through that better. But my peace is not based on me. It's based on you. God, I live holy hands. And I said, Lord, I love you. I, I just rejoice in the peace I have with you, Lord. Wash all that. And may I experience your peace. Experientially, one more time again. Jesus has become your peace. So don't give your offering trying to earn something. Give your offering as an expression of gratitude for what he earned. Don't work in the church. Trying to earn something. Serve your gift as an expression of gratitude for what he's accomplished. Church, God's not at war with you. He wouldn't have sent his son. God's not against you. Some issues in your life he might not like. But he's for you. Scripture says, he himself has become our peace. May that sink into your brains. And may you approach life differently because of the teaching today. Every head bowed every eye closed. There may be someone in this room, you need to experience Jesus Christ as your peace. Maybe you're getting high on drugs. Maybe, you know, you're 
going to sleep with NyQuil. Maybe you've got a problem with booze. Maybe you're a workaholic. There's all types of things we could do. Sometimes, some people, it's food. You're trying to find peace. But listen, you don't have the capacity. He bore our infirmities. He bore our punishment that he might become our peace. Is there anyone here today that would like to receive Jesus as your peace, your personal peace with Abba Father, not based on works, based on his sacrifice and his work? If that's you, would you slip up your hand if there's any in this room? I'm going to pause for just a moment. Well, this means all of us are family. I want you to pray with me, everyone in this room. If you pray from your heart, something's about to happen. Say, Heavenly Father, I receive Jesus as my substitute. You are my peace right now. I'm not trying to earn it. not trying to work for it. I receive it right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for salvation. Salvage right now my life in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in again next time as we continue this classic teaching with Bishop Greer. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. If you want to know more about becoming a Christian or want to rededicate your life to Christ, Bishop Greer wants to walk you through a step-by-step guide. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Visit gracechurchva.org slash salvation to find out more. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at Grace Church VA TV. And while you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's all for today. Until next time, live big. Live big.